Dave. Hey, hey. There we go. There we go. How's everybody doing? Where is everybody at? We don't know. Hey, I learned something from a pastor. It's, it's really, really profound. Um, he used to say that if everybody here invites somebody to church next week, how many will we have? Twice as many. Twice as many. So uh, I know things are crazy. Um, we all know that. Um, but we still need to be inviting people to church, right? Yeah? Um, yeah. Yeah. We need more people in here. Um, not because I'm here, but because of what I'm going to share. I'm going to share the Word of God today. And we need that, right, church? We need that. So we need more people to hear it. Now, we, we got to take it in our own heart and accept it and, and do that. But we know somebody else who needs it too. So let's, uh, there's, there's probably people in, in the church, members that aren't here today. Uh, we need them back. So when you get home today, say, hey, preacher was talking about you. Uh, notice that you weren't here. Um, but no, I'm, I'm happy to be here. Last time I was here was pre-pandemic. It was back to a glorious time when I had never heard the word COVID. Y'all remember, can you remember back that far? That seems like a long, long time ago, don't it? Good night. Um, but I am I'm happy to be back. I'm happy to, to do something that I love, which is just talk about how good God is. That's what we're going to do today. Um, do we have any new believers in here? Maybe someone who has come to the faith in maybe the past uh, three years. Anybody? Don't be ashamed. Raise your hand up a little bit. Praise God for you. Um, we need more of those. We need more of those. Hey, let me ask you another question. Do we have anybody here that maybe has been part of the faith for a long time, or, or we'll say longer than three years? Um, but, but, hold on, hold on. But maybe you would say that your understanding of, of God and Scripture and and the purpose for your life is a little blurry, and maybe you don't quite have everything figured out. Anybody there? Don't raise your hand. You don't have to. But, but I think probably would, we would all be there. Um, so I, um, I struggle sometimes to comprehend things. I'm a simple man. Um, just ask my wife. She'll tell you. Um, so that's one reason why I love what I share today. Um, Scott called me. Uh, as soon as he found out, and uh, he's like, I know it's short notice, you know, but, uh, you know, I got COVID. Think you can help me out? I'm like, I sure can. What are, what are you doing? And he said, well, we're preaching through James. I said, well, praise God. Because I have extensively studied James since becoming a believer. Uh, I think I, James just resonates with me. Because he seems like my kind of guy. He just puts it out there pretty simple. Right? Now, Paul's epistles are great, but sometimes you've got to really go digging around. You've got, you got to get your shovels out and start digging around. What in the world is Paul talking about? You don't have to do that with James. James just puts it all out there, real simple. You take it, and then you grow from it. So um, that's good. So that's good for that. Uh, you, the brother in the back, new, newish believer, 
hunker down in James. You know, you're in this series, like, it's going to give you so much truth. And it's going to be so simple. It's a great place to start. Uh, so let's go ahead. We'll go ahead and get started. Uh, we are in chapter 2 today. Chapter 2 of James. And what we're going to do is we're just going to just going to quickly, I think, uh, just kind of roll right through it, verse by verse. Like I said, they, I don't have to add a whole lot to it because James just puts it all out there himself. So uh, praise God for that. Um, before we get started, I'm going to get me a drink. Hopefully it'll be my last one and pray, and then we'll, we'll see what God has to speak for us. So let me get a drink and pray, and we'll go. My wife hates it when I drink up here, but you up here talking, I get, I get dry. Um, all right, let's pray. God, we're here today, Lord, for many different reasons, but we're here. You have assembled us here, and we believe that in your sovereignty, Lord, there's a reason for that. God, and I just pray that you would speak to us today. God, give us ears to hear. Lord, we need ears to hear. God, the, the things that we look at, Lord, if, if, if it's something that affects our life, Lord, and I, and I know that it is, God, help us to respond to it accordingly. God, speak to our heart. Lord, we need you, Lord. If you don't show up here today, we wasted our time. We should have stayed in bed. Speak to us, Lord. We pray in Christ's name. So, as we start out in chapter 2, in verse 1, it says, My brethren, anytime you see that, anytime there's, there's an introduction, anytime there, that, that the writer is addressing someone, you need to pay attention to that. You need to know who the audience is. Who is he talking to? So, here we have James, and he's talking, he says, My brethren... Now, we know, and I'm sure Scott has already laid this out for you, James is talking to Jewish believers. So they are his brethren by birth, by genealogy. But not only that, they are his brethren because they are Christians. They are believers. So right then, that tells us that we need to, as the church, our ears need to perk up and say, he's talking to me here. God is addressing his church. We need to hear something. Now, there's, there's all throughout Scripture where God calls out to the lost, and there's, there's things like this. But specifically today, he's talking to you, believers, in here. And the crazy thing about God is maybe you're not a believer in here, and you're just in the search. God can use what we're talking to, believers, to show himself to you. God can do that. That's crazy. I love it. Um, so, my brethren... Do not, do not hold the faith of our Lord, Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. He's like, look, y'all my brothers. And then, typical James, he just jumps right in and gives you the point. Now he's going to reiterate and, and, and make some more points that, that further the point along, but he just gives it to you right off the bat. My brethren, do not hold the faith of Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. Okay, so there we go. Let's, let's lock that in. Point number one. 
Point number one. So, he goes on, verse 2. For if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings and fine apparel, and there should also come a poor man in filthy clothes, and you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes and say to him, you, you sit here in a good place, and say to the poor man, you stand there or just sit here at my footstool. Have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? He's talking about the church service. You know, they didn't have nice places like what we've got today. You'd think more people would come now. But they normally, it would be one room, and there would be some benches along the edges. And then there might be maybe a row or two in the front. And everyone else would either sit kind of cross-legged on the floor or they would stand up in the back. So, you know, you would have a couple rows. You'd have people sitting, 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 sitting around the side. And then the whole back would be people standing. How many people do you think would stand in church today? I need to. My back hurts. Um, but, so that's what's going on. And he says, you know, so two people come in. A man, on just looking at him outwardly, is a rich man. He's got gold rings. He's got fine apparel. And the usher, you know, one of the church workers, we'll, we'll call him an a olden-time deacon. He, or, or we got, uh, well, we got trustees here. A trustee, he'll come in and say, sir, thank you, thank you. I'm, I know of your businesses that you have here in, in the, the county and all the things that you do. You come right on up here. Sit right up front. We want you to enjoy it today. Uh, and then comes me in the back looking in filthy, filthy clothes. Um, and he says, hey, Tommy, good to see you. Um, pop a squat right here at my dirty feet. Um, that's, that's, that's essentially what's going on here. Um, and when he says filthy clothes here, it doesn't necessarily mean that he's like super poor and everything like that. His clothes fit his lifestyle. You know, uh, rings and, and fine apparel, things like that, they just, uh, they're a little out of his reach. Um, and he comes in uh, and sits down. And James goes right to the point in verse 4. He says, have you not shown partiality among yourselves and, and become judges with your evil thoughts? So we're looking at partiality here. This, this man who has seen fit to, to separate these two into, into different classes and, and to give different treatment to them. Scripture says that he judges with evil thoughts. That's a warning to us, church. That's a warning. Because what this guy has done, without even really knowing, just his heart, he has shown that he is greedy and prideful, and maybe he covets. Because the reason that we, I'm going to go ahead and throw us in there, that we naturally tend to act this way is because we have evil thoughts and desires and sin in our heart. We see this nice man 
you know, I, I'm a business owner. So l- let me put myself in, in this situation. So maybe I see this man, I'm like, well, this right here could be a client. That's my greed. I'm trying to give him a place of honor because he might be able to do something for me. He might say, man, Tommy put me in the nice spot. He put me in the nice spot. Don't he have a business? I wonder if we could do some business together. And see, and just in an instant, my evil heart goes there. And just in an instant, our evil heart goes there. We naturally tend to do that. We naturally tend to lust for things and people and, and lots of things. I brought up lust. Let's talk about that. Sometimes, guys... Will you not show a little partiality to a pretty girl versus a not-as-pretty girl? I mean, let's be honest with ourselves here. Is that the case? Y'all listen. Oh, now I ain't going to say nothing, especially with my wife and girlfriend sitting here. No, I wouldn't, Tommy. You, you know you will. And, and girls, you're the same. Old debonair comes in. He's looking good. What you said here? It, y'all get what I'm saying. It's partiality. It's partiality. It's viewing this person higher than this person for whatever reasons. There can be so many reasons that we naturally, our mind just goes there, our sin just takes us there, that we... Put this person above this person. It's partiality. That's not right. It says that it's evil thoughts. You become a judge with evil thoughts. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself here, so let's, let's go on with the Scripture. Verse 5. Listen. He's made his point, and now he's coming at you again. Listen. Listen up. We're going deeper in this thing. Listen. My beloved brethren. Once again, he's like, look, y'all are my brothers. Listen up. He's pleading. Has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? Now, there's another comparison that James brings out here. Rich and poor. And in this section, I want to challenge some people, and I want to encourage some people. Has God not chosen? You hear that? God has chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs to the kingdom. So how do we distinguish rich and poor? Well, we do it with our clothes, our cars, our bank accounts, our houses, our stuff. We'll just cover it all with our our stuff, right? Right?
God loves the poor man and the poor woman. The one without all the stuff. Does that mean I have a lot of stuff that God doesn't love me? Hold on. No, it doesn't. But hold on. God chooses the poor. Why? Because their earthly circumstances help them to become what God wants of all of us. Rich in faith. You see, when we don't have everything that we need, when we have, we don't know if the power bill gets paid this month. We don't know if the car gets paid for this month. We don't know, then we have to get down on our knees. And we have to say, God, I don't know how in the world this is going to happen. I need you. That is the place that God wants all of us. Okay, we get amens. I love amens. Are you there? Trying, me too, brother. That's the thing. That's why God loves the poor, and that's why it's almost glorified, because they get the important stuff. They realize, because of their lack of stuff, it causes them to realize what's the good stuff. And that's God. And that they know that all good things, the stuff that comes, it flows through God's fingers. And whether or not they have a lot of stuff or don't have a lot of stuff does not dictate how good God is. And the rich people, the people like us, some of I've got more stuff than I need. God has been very good to me. I can't think of one possession that I want that I don't have. God's been good to me. But if I'm not careful, all that stuff and all that blessings, I will say, I don't need God. Now that makes me a sinner. And it does you too. God has chosen the poor to be rich in faith. So let me encourage those of us who don't have everything that we want and need. That's okay. God is saying that might. It just might be your blessing. You may view it as a curse and you may want what everybody else has, but... It may be God's blessing that you don't have because it's helping cultivate what you need for eternity, and that is faith. Okay? So, some of us, we got a lot of stuff. Some of us, certainly by the, the distinguishing factors back then, many of us, we live in, in the richest nation in the world, even our poor people have more than most of the rest of the world. Okay. But we'll just go with American standards. Let's go right here. Just in this building right here. By the standards of Scripture, a lot of us would be considered rich. And that's not a bad thing. We don't ever want to say, God bless us, and that be a bad thing. Okay? But... Let me encourage you. God cares 
about what you do with your riches. It's all God's. Yes, sir. It matters. If God has blessed you and your bank account is here, it's going to hurt a little bit. You need to give some of it away. Because if you don't get to the point to where you can give some of it away, that bank account, those numbers, because that's all they are, is those, numbers, those numbers is what truly has your heart. Prove something to yourself. Prove something to God and give it away. Now, you've got to be smart with it. God gives blessings so that you can be blessing to other people. That's the way God's economy works. But if you see a need that you can meet, don't get caught up in your numbers. You help that person. If they're a believer, you better help that person. You see, one thing that we've forgotten in the church today is that, that People come to Christ and they, they become believers because they see how we treat each other. There's a need in this church, in this congregation, and somebody's got a paper that they get once a month from the bank and it's got a long list of numbers. You help this other person that don't have as many numbers. That's what God's saying, I think. If y'all, don't, if y'all think it's different after we get done to tell me. Where are we at? Verse 5? All right. He goes on to be rich in faith, heirs of the kingdom which he promised. Anytime you see that in Scripture, you can just hunker down. If he promises something and you do what, what it says that you need to do, you, that's, that's better than taking it to the bank. You can't even trust the bank. That is better, church, let me tell you. Verse 6 goes on, he says, But you, you have dishonored the poor man. Who, who is James talking to here? The believers, the church. The situation comes, you show partiality. James says that you have dishonored the poor man. Let it be known. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. That believers, if you're going to claim the name of Christ, you should never dishonor someone else. Let's park it here for just a second. How do you dishonor someone? One of the main ways that we, myself included, that we dishonor people is by doing this. Good thing that is that that doesn't happen in church. But I just lied right here. God forgive me. That happens more in church than any... Well, I spend more time in church. But, but that happens more in church than probably it does out in the world. Shame. Shame on me. Shame on us. We dishonor people with our lips. Now, I know there's Psalms and Proverbs that talk about this. We're not to dishonor people. We dishonor people with our actions. Maybe we cheat people at work. Maybe, we, maybe we're just downright dirty to people. 
Y'all know that happens in the church as well? Y'all know that? It does. James talking to his people, his brothers, his beloved brothers and sisters. He's like, hey, you dishonored this poor man. That shows that you judge with evil thoughts. Church, do you show partiality? If you, to this point, think that you don't wait, we've got a few more verses. Verse 6, But you have dishonored the poor man. Do not the rich oppress you and drag you into the courts? Now, he was talking Jewish people here then. This is when you had Pharisees and Sadducees, and, and there was actually religious court. You could be taken to court for a moral issue. You, I mean, you know, back in this time, you could, uh, you know, fix a meal on Saturday, and you could be taken to court for it. And that's the point that he was making. Are you not giving honor to this man because he has gold rings and fine apparel? And he's the same guy that you're going to be starving, your family's going to be starving, and you're going to pick some wheat next Saturday, and he's going to turn you into court for it? He's like, it doesn't make any sense. Who are these people? Um, I'm just going to go off on a little bit of a, a little rabbit trail here about letting rich and we'll say powerful people get partiality. Now this right here I'm about to share is a little bit of an opinion. This is, we're veering off scripture for just a little bit, but it's a little bit of an opinion. Um, crazy times right now, right? We don't necessarily know who to trust anymore. The greatest government known to man has lost some credibility. The places in which we receive our information seem to be contradicting themselves. And we don't, if we're honest, wherever we fall, we don't really know what to do with that. I want to caution my brethren. Just as here, the rich, the powerful, we would give them the high seat in church. We would think highly of them because they're rich and powerful. It could be detrimental to us in the coming days. Y'all hearing what I'm saying? And I'm not really saying anything. I'm just saying let everything that we hear and see and do, let it be filtered through Scripture. And if what the government or the news or Facebook or Twitter or whatever comes into our life, if this doesn't fit this filter, I would just not pay any attention to it. 
because we, I'm not a doomsday guy. You know when the world's going to end? Exactly when Jesus wants it to. You know when I think it is? I have no clue. But I do see. I think God has given me foresight to see that changes may be coming. Slowly, but possibly surely. Let's filter everything through this, guys. And know there is no one, no thing more powerful than the one who composed this. Okay, that's just my little, I I just, a caution to my brethren. All right, here, we we about to really get going. Scott wouldn't have a clock in here. Here it is. Okay. Um, All right. You have dishonored the poor man. Do not the rich oppose you and drag you into courts? Do they not blaspheme that noble name by which you were called? Do these same people not talk junk about the person that you say is most important in your life, the Lord Jesus Christ? Are they not the same people that make fun of you because you come to church and you pray and and you do these things? But still, we want to give them the best seat. That don't make a whole lot of sense, does it? But we do it. Why? Because we're sinners. Because we're sinners. And like Paul said, we we do the things that we wish we wouldn't do, and the things that we do, y'all know what he said. That gets a little confusing. Um, I feel like I was about to mess that up. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Do they not blaspheme that name, that noble name by which you are called? Verse 8. Y'all listen here. I'm about to give you some meat. I'm about to get some meat. If you, if, you don't, if you don't get anything else out of the day, hold on to verse 8 here. Okay? If you really... It almost seems like James has his doubt as to whether or not we're going to do it. He says, if you really, if you really fulfill the royal law, I think some translations say sovereign law, but if you really fulfill the royal, the sovereign law, according to the scripture, which is, here we go, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. James says, you do well. You do well, church. If you can do that. He says, this is the royal law. This is the sovereign law. We talk about mandates. Man, I'm, I've never heard that word so much. Gosh, I just about hate that word. Mandate. Which I've never been much of a rule follower anyway. So, um, I've always hated that. Even before it becomes so prominent. Um, I don't like to be mandated. But, let me tell you about this. God. The God who created all. The God who saved the believers in here. The God who died on that cross, paid your price because you're nasty. That God has set out a mandate. And that mandate is expected to be followed. That mandate says you shall love your neighbor as yourself. 
might be the toughest mandate you've ever heard. It's the royal law, the sovereign law. You're expected to do it. And James says, if you do that, if that is how you try to live your life, if that is high on your priority list, if that is part of your character, he says, you do well. You do well. You think about that word, well. I think about it as, as how it relates to my life. I'm a sinner. I've done a lot of sin in my day uh, before Christ. Um, and I don't know. I may have done more since. James says you do well if you do this. And we all, we all need to be striving for one day we're going to stand accountable to everything that we've done. And I pray to God that I see Jesus for the first time. And he says, Tommy, you've done well. My good and faithful servant. Now, it's only going to be God's grace that I get that. And it's only going to be God's grace that you get that. But that should still be our heart. That should still be what we strive to. You go back and you look at this royal law, this sovereign law. Jesus himself said that it basically sums up all the commandments. You think being a Christian is hard to do, it's hard to understand, there's all this stuff. No, no, the Jewish people, they made it hard to understand. They had 600 laws that you had to follow. No, Jesus said, it's easy, guys. All you got to do is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You see, see, God always gives us simple instructions it's not the most learned people that God loves and he, he gives us stuff it's those old poor people those old poor country people from Inman and Bowling Springs and Campobella you know what I mean he makes it simple for everybody he don't want anybody to miss out so he keeps it simple love God and love others but you got to do it my way you got to do it as much as you love yourself. And let me tell you something, church, that's a lot. You will sacrifice the moon for yourself Will you do it for somebody else. Help me, Lord. You do well, he says. That's what I want. Verse 9. But if you show partiality... James is straight to the point. If you show partiality, you commit sin. That dirty old church word, sin. You commit sin if you show partiality and are convicted by the law as transgressors. You are guilty if you put this person over this person for any reason, you're a transgressor of God's law. And that, apart from the grace of God, can send every one of us to hell. You mean just that? That's what God said. Just that. You see, we'll, we'll be like, that's a little intense, God. That's nowhere near what they do. All I'm doing is showing partiality. 
It's sin, and it makes you a transgressor of the law. That's verse 9. If you don't believe me, it's right there. Verse 10, For whoever shall keep the whole law, and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of breaking all the law. See, this is the crazy thing, and this is what scares us off and we don't understand it, is God requires perfection. You can't break one. If you break one, you, it's the same as if you broke them all. That, in our human, our worldview, our, our, if we look at it through worldly eyes, that is impossible. And if, if, if we wanted to, we could say, what kind of God is that? And if he left things alone, we could say, that's not a good God. The church God didn't do that. He said, you, if you break one, you break them all and you're guilty. And we know what the penalty is. But he made a way. He made a way. He said, I'm going to send a substitute and he's going to take on all your sin. He's going to take on the world's sin and he's going to be sinless. He's going to bear that load. And God chose grace and he chose mercy as a possibility. But if we break one sin, let's go on. For he who said, do not commit adultery also said, do not murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you have become transgressor of the law. Now, what I'm about to get into is going to sting just a little bit. So we need to put our, our big boy pants on and just, just take it. We and myself are guilty of showing partiality when it comes to our sin and other people's sin. We are guilty of showing partiality. We will say that this sin is heinous. And this one, eh, it's not that bad. God calls that sin. That sin in itself, church, makes us just as guilty as the one that we saw do what we see as heinous. It's bad news. It's bad news. It's very easy for, let's, uh, I, I could use any number of examples, but I'll just use the one that pops in my head. Let's use homosexuality. To a lot of us, we see that as, ugh, that's bad. That's top. That's toward the top. But we see this man and woman living together habitually, 
enjoying their relationship. We'll call it that. And we're just like, ah, that's just the way things go. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Is I clear enough on what I'm talking about here without going too far into it? But, but, but this one over here, oh, God hates that. You sinner. And these, these over here is just like, yeah, you know, I mean, I get it. I get it. We all like to have relations like that. You know, that's a good thing. God made that. It's, that's, that's good stuff. You know, I understand. But that over there, y'all get what I'm saying? That's showing partiality amongst sin. We will, and I'm, I'm, I'm just going to say something here. Some people will be partial to another person just based off the color of their skin. And I think we're all to a point where we'd be like, that's wrong. That's wrong. I would never be like that. Predominantly white in here. What if your granddaughter brought home a Mexican boyfriend or a black boyfriend? You all right with that? Oh, gosh. Oh, that made somebody mad, I bet. I'm not here to make you like me. That's sin. If that stung a little bit, if that made you upset with me a little bit, that's sin, brother, sister. And that right there is hampering God from doing something amazing in your life. That's showing partiality. And if you are guilty of that, you're guilty of the whole law. And if God reveals that to you, you need to repent. In the church, we'll look down somebody on their clothes. I used to be a suit and tie kind of guy years ago. And it wasn't until we started a, a food pantry ministry. And I would invite everybody that comes through. I'd sit down, talk with them, pray with them, and I'd invite them to come to church. And they'd say, Tommy, I appreciate that, but there's no way I could come to church. Why not? I don't, I don't have church clothes and I don't have money for it. Time after time after time after time I heard that. Shame on us for creating an environment to where people feel that they can't come in here based on their clothes. The most important thing is that anybody be here. Why? Because this is where the word of God is proclaimed. Some of y'all probably don't like Austin got on shorts. I don't think God has a problem with it, brother. He's glad you're here. <laughs> there you go. Y'all feel me? It's partiality. I, we, can, we can stay here till whatever time of day we want to go in, and I can lay out examples of partiality. Where we see this person better or higher 
than this person. And it's sin. And it's sin. It's sin. Let me, while, while I'm on clothes, I'm just going to, I'm going to, I'm going to make it real simple for you. What does God say about how his believers should dress? I told you I'm a simple man. I'm going to make this real simple for everybody. So like this problem, if it is a problem in the church, it should be just completely eradicated right here and now. God wants his believers to dress modest. Well, what does that mean? It means nothing too flashy and nothing too revealing. It's that simple. That is the church dress code. Nothing too flashy and nothing too revealing. We'll be all right if it fits there. If you don't believe that, show me the verse. And I will come up here and publicly repent. Anyway, verse 12, we're about to get, we're about to get going. We're, we only got two more verses, guys. And yeah, I think we're doing good. Um, verse 12, so he says all this. He lays out the thing. He says that it's sin. You shall love your neighbor as yourself if you do well. That is the royal law. He goes on. It's basically sin is sin. If, you, if you're guilty of one, you're guilty of all. So what does he say? This is where, where James, he really, I love this. My favorite five words of this passage. And it really just kind of fits in with how James does things. And you'll see as you go from weeks on. So he says, verse 12, so speak and so do. These things that God has just shown us from his word today, church, my beloved brethren, so speak and so do. Say this is truth and live your life as if this is truth. This is who God wants us to be. Say that and do that. Be that. James is simple. So speak and so do. As those who will be judged by the law of liberty. The law, you, you did that first song. Liberty, and I'm like, what is liberty? I've already thought about it, but I was like, we're talking about liberty. We're going to talk about it again. Praise God. And so, speak, so speak, and so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. What is the law of liberty for the believers? It's just what I alluded to before. We are guilty. And we deserve death and punishment for an amount of time that our brains can't fathom. So where does the freedom and the liberty come from? It comes from the fact, I don't know where people are, 
Maybe you're still searching. But let me tell you that liberty and freedom can be a real thing. And it comes from knowing and believing. And believing in such a way that your life is changed by it. Knowing and believing that Christ, the Son of God, come to pay your sin debt. And he did that by living a sinless life and taking on a crown of thorns and being whipped and bloodied and spit on and mocked and ridiculed and hung on a tree to die so that you and me could have a chance at liberty. And it says that we so speak and we so do that we are judged by the law of liberty. And for those who believe in Christ and accept what he has done, that law of liberty means that you are free. Praise God. Free indeed. It means that whatever holds you down If you're a believer, it holds you down because you choose to let it hold you down. And you're relying on yourself and not this Christ. Freedom is right there waiting for us. But our problem is, even within the church, we hold on to our idols. We hold on to our wants. We hold on to our desires. And we want to do everything our way. And we lose that freedom when all we have to do we got to get down, we got to get to our house, we got to get by ourselves, and we just got to get down. And we got to pray. We got to say, God, I am messed up, and I need you. And the only way that I'm going to have freedom, and the only way that I'm going to have liberty, is, Lord, if you, by your grace and your mercy, give it to me. So do, so speak as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. Praise God, that's the law I'm going to be judged by. And then James about to put a bow on it. In verse 13. For judgment is without mercy. You hear me? Judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. I want to hear that one more time. Let's, let's do it one more time. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Go back to what this whole thing, let's, let's tie it all back in together. What is God talking about? It's about our sin that leads to partiality. How we treat others. Listen, church. I don't care what the other person's sin is what their struggle is, what they do. They're no worse than anybody else in the eyes of God. And here, listen here, they're no worse than you are. And we've got to approach our relationships that way. All of them. Because when you compare your greatest goods, Paul says this, your greatest goods amount to a pile of dung.
We are nowhere near as good as what we think we are or even what we hope to be. God sees the real us. And the real us is just as sinful as them. And we are to not show partiality to anyone. That is the mark of a believer. You hear that? That is the mark of a believer. And judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Church, we as Christ's people, God's people, believers in the one true God, are to be a merciful people, a forgiving people, not one who holds grudges, not one who speaks terrible things about other people, not one who dishonors other people. We are to show mercy. Pretty simple, right? Thank God for that. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Do we want to live a triumphal life? Let's try showing mercy a little bit more than we judge people. I think that's what Scripture's saying here. Y'all stand up. And if musicians want to come up, y'all pray around here. Anybody pray around here? Y'all believe in that stuff? I don't, uh, never have been one to try to manipulate people to get them to an altar. But I'm going to tell you right now, if God has spoken with you, come down here and talk to him about it. That's the altar call. If you don't know God, come speak with me. If God has shown sin in your heart, don't wait till, till later on. Because you know you. You're probably not going to get down beside that bed or in that prayer closet and pray about it. If God has spoke to you, come get it right with him right now, and you'll have a lot better lunch. This next time is for you to do what you see fit. Thank you all for having me. I'm done.